Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about the misery of hustle culture and the joy of petting dogs in video games. Tips for being productive during the coronavirus pandemic reveal our society's obsession with commodifying every single aspect of our lives. So argues InputMag.com news writer Maureen Kasana in a provocative essay entitled The Call for Pandemic Productivity is Class Warfare in Disguise. Here she is reading an excerpt from her piece. The gist of these articles and listicles, tweets and posts from the cult of productivity and hobby into hustle was straightforward. It does not matter whether we're in the suffocating center of a pandemic with no foreseeable treatment yet. You, my friend, should maximize your time to create something majestic like King Lear, one suggested on Twitter. Never mind that King Lear is one of Shakespeare's lesser literary productions. Oh, winds and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow. Thank you for joining me, Maureen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what prompted you to write this essay? I was just absolutely tired of seeing this really intense call for productivity all over the internet. Hey friends, welcome back to the channel. In this video, I want to share five productivity tips that I find really helpful, especially at times like this where we are stuck at home, pretty much doing nothing with all this social distancing stuff going on. At least me, I want to be productive. I want to get stuff done rather than just kind of sit at home and watch Netflix, even though that's quite fun as well. And I saw people already pushing against it, so I am by no means the one pioneering this movement or whatever it is. But I definitely felt like I needed to say something because I just, I saw my friends, my family feel very overwhelmed by this push to be producing as much as you can. I actually look forward to performance reviews. I did the youth beauty pageant circuit and I enjoyed that quite a bit. I really enjoy being judged. I believe I hold up very well to even severe scrutiny. It kind of ironically just led to this bigger philosophical musing over how I, I think, in my understanding of American culture at least, people assign a lot of moral morality and self-worth to productivity. And it's kind of it's kind of terrifying seeing that, especially when there's a pandemic going on. So why do you think there have been all these calls for productivity during this time? Yeah, this is where this is where it gets a little controversial. <laughs> I think at least Americans invest a lot of their identity in the idea of producing as much as they can. I came back from Pakistan after like 15 years and I noticed this a lot that we nap over there sometimes on uh, during the afternoon. When I came back here, I was so, so used to it. I didn't see that anymore. And I kind of started noticing that a lot of people, John Steinbeck talked about it in his stories too. A lot of Americans really attach an intense and rather disturbing amount of self-esteem to the idea of how much they can produce. And if they can't, they start feeling useless. For the record, I'm very pro-nap. Okay, great, good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, naps are amazing. I think I've I've always enjoyed reading about people detailing their nap routines, and I think it kind of shows you this cultural difference, right? If you go to Spain and Italy, naps are pretty common. You go down to Latin America, naps are pretty common. You go to parts of the Middle East, Central, and South Asia, again, they're pretty common. But the further you go into the West, and especially parts of like the cosmopolitan parts of the United States of America, you'll notice naps are considered wrong, like wrong with the capital W. Why do I have to take a nap? I'm not tired. So that that when I started seeing people call for productivity, I was like, come on, man, there's, a, there's an outbreak out there. You wrote this essay about two months ago. How have you seen things change as far as calls for productivity go in that time? Or have they remained the same or, or have people relaxed a bit? 
I don't, I don't want to pull a Dave and Adam bra, but if you have to <laughs> divide things up into different subcultures, there has been a slowing down of it in certain parts. Like for instance, I've noticed writers are kind of calming down on the idea of like producing as much as they have to, or even other, you know, professions, the people have been kind of easier on themselves and they should be. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real actual work. However, there's one part of America, or I guess the whole world, the, the work field, if you will, entrepreneurs. <laughs> They're not going to stop the hustle. Um, even now, you'll see the most cringe tweets about how you're a failure if you didn't learn anything under the pandemic, if you didn't do this under COVID-19 and that. So there's one particular subculture that I think that will never learn that you don't have to do this all the time. And that's just, I guess that's part of Silicon Valley. And I guess entrepreneurs, guys who join their fingertips together while talking and they don't eat because eating is considered wrong, that kind of thing. So those guys are still talking about productivity. But other than that, I think people kind of and for good reason, they're kind of slowing down and they should. Right. I, I mean, I have to admit that during this time, I, I do feel like I should be more productive. I mean, I think it's worth going into. Why? Ask yourself that. I'd love to know. Because I have a, this wide expanse of time in front of me that I didn't have before that it seems like I'm wasting. I, I mean, have I been brainwashed? I mean, you know, when you talk about it that way, I don't want to I don't want to pull a Dr. Phil here. <laughs> but I think there is this. I wouldn't say brainwash is such a strong term. I won't necessarily say brainwashing, but I do think that we are products of our culture. We are products of what we are told growing up and everything. And the idea, the simple fact, the sentence you just said, I have a lot of time on me, kind of has this insinuation that if I have so much time on me, I should be making something out of it. And that something often has some kind of tangible value. It could be money, it could be exposure that kind of thing. So I think it's just this right now is such a, an interesting time to see how cultures respond to the coronavirus in their different ways. Some are slowing down, some aren't, that kind of thing. But yeah, I wouldn't say you're brainwashed, but I certainly would say that I think that's a, that's a very built-in response over time. I don't think any one of us has been born with the idea that we should be producing at all times, or if we have a lot of time, we should be doing something. Well, don't worry, I'm still taking plenty of naps. <laughs> good, 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 good. No, that's important. I, I mean this. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, zealot about this stuff. I think naps are really key to reminding yourself you're a human. God damn it, you need time. You know, you don't have to be running around hustling. You can follow Marine on Twitter at Marine Kasana. Now on to today's second story. Twitter is a bleak place these days. Social media giant Twitter flagging one of President Trump's tweets saying it glorifies violence. But there are some accounts that bring a smile to our faces, even in these trying times. Take, for instance, Can You Pet the Dog and Is Something Behind the Waterfall, two popular video game-themed Twitter accounts created by a guy named Tristan Cooper. News editor Cheyenne McDonald recently wrote about these bright spots for InputMag.com. Here she is reading an excerpt from her piece. Can You Pet the Dog, which launched in March 2019, couldn't be more straightforward in its mission. Post a clip from a video game and report on whether or not the in-game dogs are pettable. I or on casual Fridays, it might instead show you where you can pet a dolphin, soothe a baby, hug a tree, or be serenaded. 
In less than six months, Can You Pet the Dog racked up over 250,000 followers. Today, just weeks past the one-year anniversary, its follower count sits at over 408,000. Welcome back to the show, Cheyenne. Thanks for having me, Mark. So what made you want to write about Can You Pet the Dog and Is Something Behind the Waterfall? I've been following these accounts for a while now, uh, since the beginning, really. And over these past few months, obviously, things have been so bleak. And when there's just so much misery in your timeline, a wholesome post hits different. And Can You Pet the Dog is always that wholesome post. You know, it breaks up some of the daily horror and gives you something nice to look at or something that's just silly, fun, and it's consistently good. You spoke to Tristan Cooper, the New York City-based creator of these Twitter accounts. What motivated him to start them? He is a gamer, obviously, and spent a lot of his time interacting with different characters in the games and realized that you could pet a dog in one of the games. And that was a little bit of a game changer because the next game he went to play where you couldn't pet the dog was like, oh shit, Like this is something that isn't necessarily going to be found in every platform. So then he dove into it and started digging them up. And here we are, hundreds of thousands of followers later. And what about the Waterfall account? So Waterfall is a similar concept, but it's, you know, it's a little more niche than the dog thing because everyone latches onto a dog. But video games have this unique trend of just like putting shit behind waterfalls. And if you've played enough, you know that you might find a doorway back there. You might find a treasure back there. So similar to with Can You Pet the Dog, Cooper was playing through other games like, say, Mario Kart 64, where you can drive through and there's a shortcut in that waterfall. He realized there was a trend there and that there was genuine interest in it and started taking them down and letting everyone know. Do you have a favorite petable dog from video games? I don't have a favorite petable dog. I will try to pet absolutely anything in a game, which I think is why I love this account to begin with. But I really enjoy petting the horses in Red Dead. Who's a good girl? Well done, lady. Been through it, ain't we? So not a petable dog per se, but definitely horses. I accidentally punched one though, and that broke me for a while. So as you mentioned, these are pretty uh, bleak times. Uh, what, What kind of joy do these Twitter accounts bring you? I mean, it just brings you back to that, that moment when you're a kid and you're experiencing video games and there's something that feels very new about them. You know, at this point now we're kind of bogged down with content. But the second you find something that's a little bit different, it's exciting again. So yeah, it just, it makes you feel like a kid for a second. You can follow Cheyenne on Twitter at underscore Shy Mac. And I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit inputmag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. Put podcast.